0: Proverbs 16, verse 17. The Bible says, The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He that keepeth his way preserveth his soul. Let's read that together in unison. Ready? The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He that keepeth his way preserveth his soul. I want to talk to you tonight about getting those kids on the right highway. I uh, believe when it comes to child rearing, our whole goal is to make sure by the time they're entering adulthood, not because of an age, not because they turn to 18, 19, or 20, but because they're mature, they're ready to get out on the highway, and that should be the highway the upright. I was reminiscing today about our three kids as they got their driver's licenses, and uh, I am not the one in the home that needs to be giving them driving instructions. I realize that. And uh, I told my kids, we have a good relationship. I want to keep that relationship, which means someone else is going to have to teach you how to drive. Uh, I attempted with Chris, and I quickly turned him over to uh, Pastor Mark and a few others in the church. And they did a great job of uh, getting that started, and then we sent all three of our kids to driving school on some level, and I remember after Chris said, Dad, I'm ready to take my test, I'm ready to go, and uh, he passed his test, and he wanted to take me for a drive, and uh, we lived right over here off South Park, Meadows area at Slaughter, and uh, we were only five or six blocks away from Slaughter gas station, that area, which has, over time, become quite the busy road, and uh, by the time we made it three blocks down the road, we had not even yet arrived at Slaughter, Uh, I said, son, if you don't want to see Slaughter, (laughs) you want to pull over right now. He said, Dad, we, we haven't even made it to the road yet. I said, I know. And we're still talking about maintaining a father-son relationship. Pull over. Park this car. He said, Dad, what did I do wrong? I said, no, the question is, what did you do right? We've gone three blocks. and You scared the bejeebers out of me. And uh, he told me that his instructors had taken him out on I-35. I said, that. That is someone without a functional brain. (laughs) Now, that's not the point of the message. The point is, sooner or later, those kids got to get out on the highway. How many of you wish that that they didn't have to drive roads like we have, whether that's 71 or 35? I mean, there's so many accidents, so many dangers out there. But most of you realize life has more dangers than I-35 or 71. There is just literally around the corner an ever-present danger in the decisions that are made. And as parents, we want to make sure that they're properly prepared. I remember when Brittany came back and told us about her instructor taking her all the way up north, Austin, on I-35. And I couldn't, I'm sorry, I couldn't wrap my mind around that. My daughter on the highway, and and they weren't waiting until, you know, 11 o'clock at night to make sure the traffic had lessened. At some point, we do understand those 5-year-olds and 7-year-olds, 10-year-olds, Titus is going to be on Life's Highway, and we get a chance every day to make sure there's instruction. We have, hopefully, at least 18 years in this process To be instructing them about getting on the highway of the upright. And if there's not proper instruction, we know they're not going to end up on the highway of the upright. They're going to end up on the wrong highway. They're they're going to end up in an accident. They're going to end up dealing with tragedy. And we've seen that happen. And I want to encourage you uh, tonight. Three things. I'll put it this way, overlooked factors in child-rearing when it comes to getting these kids on the right highway. And uh, I believe these are three subjects we don't address often enough. Number one is personalities. Now, when it came to driving, how many realize each child is very unique? The personality of each child, the personality of each parent is unique. In our case, my wife did better in that co-pilot seat than I did. I couldn't take it. I wanted things to be right from the start. I I didn't want to go through the process of uh, passing cars and only having eight inches between us. (laughs) I, I didn't want to be doing 48 on a highway where cars are doing 75. They're just... But my wife is... Much better in that spot in understanding our strengths and weaknesses. Understanding each one of our children was allowed to start their driving courses at a different age. And be careful because here's what we do. In in the rearing of our kids, God gave each one of them a unique personality. And too often we put instruction or child rearing in a box and think that we can deal with each child the same way. Uh, how many of you, it didn't take long, maybe that first child was a perfect one, you thought everyone was going to sleep all night through and behave that way, and then the demon child was born. <laughs> and I know we all have these ideas concerning firstborn and secondborn and thirdborn and lastborn and whatever, and I believe there are certain characteristics, but we all know that each child comes with a unique personality. There are battles that we face with some of our children that we never have to deal with in others. How I'm amazed that after Wyatt, Nate Macy actually wanted additional children. Amen. They could have tapped out. And they're so grateful they didn't because next came the man of God. The blessed one. I mean, he's on the highway of the upright at three, driving with one hand on the wheel. Wyatt's still trying to find the entrance ramp. But each child is so unique in. In and here's what we do. I believe we got to read books. We got to educate ourselves, but we also have to say this: we, those of you that are younger and recently having children, you're part of your culture. You're part of your generation. This generation is so steeped in humanism, and you don't even realize it. You don't realize it. It's for me. I remember coming to Austin. Each country is different, and they each nationality, their own strengths and weaknesses, they, they have them. But coming back to the States, I look now at those first couple of years, many of you were here when we had the young couples meetings and whether that was finances or marriage or child rearing, we have a totally new generation. And I call this generation the pep talk generation, the psychologist, Bible principle is secondary to the psychology that they've been taught. And their parents did everything wrong, and now they're going to do everything right. And uh, so instead of actually Bible principle, instruction, rebuke, and correction, it's let's raise a terrorist and try to negotiate with him. I am astounded by listening to the conversations, saved and unsaved, as they try to explain everything to a two-year-old. Now you know what we talked about and we've thought about these things and we want to learn to be big people and big people don't scream like that. You need to look at that child and say don't scream. Because there's consequences that will help you decide that screaming isn't profitable. How about that conversation? But now there is this long path. And this child, you're not talking that terrorists off the, the cliff. They, they are going to terrorize your life and our life. And we get them in the nursery. We get them in the school. And we get them in classes. And the worst part is, if you want to terrorize your life, Merry Christmas. But don't do that to someone else. Someone ought to be able to look at that child and say, sit down. And they say, sit down. And okay, do we understand? A little nervous, but uh, you don't need to cry for a half an hour or 45 minutes or an hour. And I understand each child he's very unique. And when we, we talk about the uniqueness here, we can talk about the stages of life. Maybe we'll do that here in just a moment. But as parents, we've got to understand our own personality And so, okay, in parenting, I've got to identify my strengths and my weaknesses. And I thank God that opposites attract. And you have, uh, usually in every home, one that's more of a disciplinarian, some of the stricter, and and another one that's more lenient, often permissive. And here's what you want to do. You want to work as a team. Instead of saying, uh, we're going to take my weaknesses and make them a part of our children's lives, you ought to say, no. Thank God that we are a team, we're a pair, we're a couple. So we want our children to come out with the strengths of both of us. And if you're more permissive, don't stop the one that, that will put his or her foot down. How many of you are the more permissive one in the hall? Oh, let's just be honest tonight. Just raise your hand. You say, I'm, I'm the more permissive one. You shouldn't be the brake Amen. You you should say, you know what? If if it were left up to me, our children would probably be out of control. They'd be swerving on the highway. They would be off the road and run over the stop signs and doing 85 miles an hour on the highway of the upright. Amen? And there's one that's saying, Now, I thank God for this. I I thank God my wife is more grace. Our kids Needed that grace. There were times uh, that Kim was not one that would speak to me to, to keep me from let's do this, let's do it right. But sometimes I could just see in her face and demeanor maybe that's a little hard or harsh. How many of you guys say that is more productive? That carries more weight. Amen? Now, I think if you're an angry person, you need to deal with your personality. Here's, here's the best thing you can do for the rearing of those kids. Identify your weaknesses and say, if I'm, if I'm an angry person, I need to, first of all, get more spirit filled. But second of all, my, my kids should not know an angry person in this house. Someone that's constantly triggered. And so I'm going to memorize a verse on this. I'm going to get help from my mate. I'm going to ask them to make sure if I have to deal with the problem, I deal with it in a controlled manner. And wives, uh, you, you can help the situation. Most of the time, the women around the kids more, and they have to deal with the disobedience or the mistakes that are made. Usually, dad's only dealing with a mistake if it has reached a point of attitude. kids know they learn trouble when mom deals with it and then she says, I am talking to dad. Oh boy. I really crossed the line. Because not only did you disobey, then you gave her the tune. She's like, I'll kill you, but I don't want to waste my energy because I barely have enough energy to half kill you. So I'm going to let your father finish you off. <laughs> and you got to say, okay, if if I'm triggered and, and my tongue is loose, you got to say, okay, I need to deal with my weaknesses. My personality has to be addressed, not just their personality. And too often I've watched parents try to treat each child in the same manner. And there's not, we're not talking about preferential treatment. But Weston, you can look at that boy. Say Weston, let's fix that, and he gets that world record smile. Right. Say, absolutely, we'll fix that. And you tell Mason, let's fix that. <laughs> and you say, I don't know if that's fixed. <laughs> Two totally different personalities. You say, Pastor, are you picking on the kid? No, I'm just, I'm telling you, there's unique personalities. And some take more time and and more investment and more energy, and some have a stronger will. And some, uh, Ashley was a little more defiant, and Brittany, uh, you could look at Brittany uh, cross eyed, and she'd begin to cry and confess things you didn't even know she'd committed. (laughs) She would, Ashley got. Brittany confess her sins as if they were Brittany's. And you got to deal with the uniqueness of each one of those children and, and say, if, if I'm going to get them on the highway, the upright, I've got to adjust. And if I deal with each one of them the same way, I'm going to end up hurting them because they're unique. And we understand this in a classroom setting, but it's got to become part of our home, and then say, okay, there are certain things that my wife can do better, and there are things I can do better, and we don't get angry with each other because we don't share the same personality. Instead, if if you're going to do better at this responsibility in the home, I'm going to let you do that so we don't create a conflict. And there are things I want to tweak, and I want to be spirit-filled. But no matter how spirit-filled I get, there are just things that Kim can do better in the rearing of those kids. And there are certain things that I can do better. And at that point, we step back or step up based on the need of the moment knowing this is going to be best for the kids. It's not a conflict. Everybody with me? And I think when it comes to the rearing of the children, just like those driving classes... I said, you know what? There are things I can teach them about driving and parking, but right now at these initial stages, there's no way I can control myself for a 30-minute time frame with that child behind that wheel, no matter how spirit-filled I am. Can't do it. Yep. And there are certain responsibilities in the home. Ladies, be careful. You, you don't want to make a comparison and say, well, he does this with his children, and that no, 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 no. Each individual parent is very unique in their strengths and their weaknesses, and identifying those are the best thing you can do for your home. And then, if, if this does not bring a benefit until I grow in that responsibility. Not avoiding my responsibility. I just want to make sure the right person at the right time is handling the right responsibility. Some of you are better in nighttime devotions than others. Sometimes it's a mother in the house. Sometimes it's a father. Well, my husband, he's not a spiritual leader because he never does devotions. Maybe everyone in the house is thankful that he doesn't. And sometimes they're thankful the mama doesn't do the devotions. And when she does, they get unthankful. That's okay. Now, here's what we do when we fix personalities. This is not about rearranging the personality. This is about you addressing your personality, getting to know your weaknesses, and saying, I want to be the most spirit-filled Christian possible, so I'm not using my personality as an excuse. Well, I'm just by nature more passive. We'll get more aggressive through a Holy Spirit filled life Amen. in the right kind of way. But here's the problem we want to allow the Holy Spirit to work in our personality. But how many realize this? I've watched our staff when I came here non confrontational. And when someone has to confront that is non confrontational, by nature, usually it'll be improper because they're going against their very fabric and fiber. They don't want to confront. So they wait and they wait and they wait and they wait until finally they've got to confront. We went over confrontations. How do we make this as proper as possible? But at the end of the day, here's what God did. God established a spiritual leader to be the point of confrontation. And he usually puts that in his DNA. And, gentlemen, God has put you in that home to help that woman avoid the most difficult of confrontations. And if you are not confrontational by personality, here's what you need to do you need to pray and stay filled with the Spirit, but you support that woman when she has to confront. Personality. That's the first word. Second word I want you to look at for just a second is pressure. How many of you remember getting your driver's license? Now you can do circle eights, right, Walmart parking lot, and not endanger anyone, except your license. <laughs> but you—how many times you practice parallel parking, and then you were praying, "Oh Lord, give me the right teacher, or help them to skip the parallel parking test." <laughs> How many took off a bumper in your parallel parking attempt, ran over some cones, you killed some orange? No one here wants to confess, but I, I know the faces of the guilty parties. I've seen you in the parking lot. You've, you know how many slats in our fence we've had to repair because you guys put bumpers? You, I mean, we have concrete blockades there to keep you from doing that and some Still do it. But there's, there's pressure. There's unique pressure. And ladies, you got to understand, uh, there are different times in life when that husband is under unique pressure. Sometimes it's job situations. Um, sometimes it's uh, economic hardship. Uh, sometimes it, it, it can be dozens of things. But here's what you want to do. When you see that moment in life that is providing additional pressure, that's when you want to make sure you're the release valve and you're helping uh, be the buffer between him and the children and not putting him in a spot. He's he's already had all kinds of tense situations at work and going through a change in bosses and new responsibilities and he's working overtime and he gets home at 8.30 at night and you say... Did you know what your little demon-possessed child did today? Probably not a great time to be introducing this to his life. Maybe this is one you want to handle on your own or wait for a better moment to deal with it. And here's... Here's what we've got to do in in the rearing of our children. We've got to be honest with ourselves and say there are moments when we're under duress and pressure, when we've got to be extremely cautious in our child rearing, because if you handle that problem and you handle it incorrectly and you're angry, those are the moments children never forget, and it's a bad memory that lasts a lifetime. Regrettably all of us can look back in our childhood and say uh, there were things that were done or things that were said. And uh, I ought to be able to remember a hundred good memories and good times, but a predominant memory is that one moment when things were tense and people were under pressure and dad got angry or mom got angry and there was an explosion and what was done and what was said is forever, forever in the memory of that child. So here's what we have to do. We have to understand pressure plays a big part in the genre. And say, okay, when I'm under pressure, I've got to notify my mate and say, okay, right now, if we're dealing with problems in our children, I want to make sure that uh, there's not an explosion, there's not anything improperly stated So during this time frame, I remember when we came to Austin, I was living with my mother-in-law. That's pressure. (laughs) No, that's no pressure at all. But we were suddenly in a new environment. Things were changing. I was leaving the house very early, 6 or so, not coming back until late at night. And working 75, 80 hours a week for at least probably a year, probably a year after in that time. And I basically, I told my wife, I, I made an agreement. I said, this is not going to last forever. I won't allow it to last forever. But during this time, we're still going to have family nights and family moments. But during this time, I can't Deal with the kids on the same level. I'm not going to be able to instruct the kids on the same level. This is not a timeout. This isn't a pause. It's simply a time of life that will be short lived. And I'm going to make sure it's short. I'm not going to allow this to become two years or three years or a lifetime. But uh, I want to address what I can address and do what I can do. But under this kind of pressure, I don't want this pressure to carry over to the home and spill over into our marriage or our child rearing. How many of you have you know what I'm talking about? You've had times and moments in your life where the, the pressure wasn't for a day or for a week, but it, it began to go into, and sometimes for the wife, it can be health. And men, when you see your wife in that Condition. Here's, she's going to try to just plow through and carry on, and that pressure's going to build inside her. Here's the problem you may not be there to see it, but at some point she's going to have a breaking point with those kids, and when she does, something will be said or done that they'll never forget. And that's where you want to step up and step in. And say, I want to make sure that I'm doing all that I can during this time of pressure. And then understand in the life of children, there's moments of pressure. I know. we got a lot of drill sergeants around here. It's kindergarten. What's the big deal? It's first grade. Well, they've never been to first grade. They've never had a homework assignment. And then even in the school, there are different teachers and there are different stages of life. And suddenly they feel the pressure and they got a teacher now that's providing them homework two, three, four times a a week. And they're feeling the pressure. And you've got to walk through. You don't need to defend them. You don't need to baby them. But you do need to help them get through that point. Understand, here's how we deal with pressure. And I want to make sure sometimes it's 15 when they, I don't know, step into whatever uh, physics. How many felt the pressure of physics? No one. I did. I hated physics. Still trying to figure out what physics added to my life. (laughs) Besides headaches and lower grades. But there's different, there are different levels. Sometimes you get ninth grade girls together. And the wrong mixture of personalities. And that's pressure. That's right. (laughs) <laughs> whatever it is in, in the child learning, we need to be able to identify those things that are creating pressure sometimes our expectations create pressure sometimes we create unnecessary pressure through comparisons be careful that you're not comparing a sibling well uh, your brother he works like a man well he's five years older there's differences in learning abilities, and it creates pressure. So because you have one child that's used to making straight A's, and mom says, if Lorena made straight A's, Tyrese, what is your problem? <laughs> Church, I hope you're following me tonight. It's, it's easy in parenting... Especially, here's, here's what happens. The world out there is all confused and the kids are a disaster. But literally in a church like this, you have a lot of good parents and it creates a positive kind of peer pressure because we have a lot of young people that are hardworking and high character and some are good on instruments and very respectful. And here's, here's what we can't do. you got to be careful that you don't start comparing or they don't feel... The comparison of, I've got to live up to, no, you, you go be the best you that you can be. Amen. And you be respectful, and you be hardworking, and I don't need you to be Brett, and I don't need you to be Johnny, I don't need you to be West, and I need you to be the best you that you can be. And by making that kind of comparison, there's a pressure that kids carry yeah. that create odd and frustration with parents, there are 14- and 15-year-olds that are frustrated with their parents because dad is making a comparison of someone else, maybe a sibling or someone else in the church that a hard worker, or referring to his youth. So by the time I was 12 years old. And as soon as you see your son's eyes roll back in his head, you ought to know. Maybe time for the next, next story. Number three. Talk about priorities. When it comes to child rearing, how many of you got married and it didn't take you long after marriage to realize you have different priorities than your spouse? And what you think is important to them is not important at all. And you're thinking, you should not wear shoes inside the house. And they're thinking, that's why I bought synthetic floors. <laughs> so it wouldn't matter. And I picked out the flooring so you wouldn't even notice footprints. When that person has a priority, you got to say, okay, we've got to situate things here in our house, and here's the problem. Moms have priorities in the rearing of their children, and I think they ought to have manners. And Dad's sitting at the table, and he says, okay, guys, uh, we're going to go in a circle and see who can do the best burp. <laughs> And mom gets up to stir the vegetables that have already been cooked and served. (laughs) And one of them wants them to have great educational skills. And the other one wants musical skills. So the dad is saying, have you finished your homework yet? No, I'm trying to do my piano. Forget the piano. And mom said, no, you don't forget the piano. I don't care if you step till midnight. You put in the earplugs and play the electronic one, but you don't forget the piano. You got two hours left. <laughs> right, Alicia? Where's Alicia? <laughs> Whatever your priorities are, is not making you right or wrong, but it can cause confusion in that home if kids don't realize there's, there's an agreement here. What is... What is the most important priority? What, what should be number one? Let's come to a consensus number one priority when it comes to the rearing of children. What is our primary purpose? Salvation. No, it's rearing, obviously, salvation, but it's rearing a child that has a love for God. Because everything else is going to fall apart if they don't have, if they're not on the highway of the upright. It's good, it's good. We're talking about Living a holy life, if this is not established in their heart, if there's not a desire that's cultivated in them to please God, you're going to have a problem. Because they can have high character and work hard and be divorced two two years into marriage. This is the highway of the upright. Okay, That's priority. I want to get them on the right highway. I want to make sure they have a personal relationship with God. Because you can get them... To, to learn a trade by the time they're 12 and mow the yard and wash the dishes and clean the shed and maintain a good clean room and have a good personal relationship. But if they do not know God, uh, everything else is going to crack because the foundation is messed up. We have over the past 14 years. Thankfully, we've kept the majority of our young people on the highway of the upright. But we've got kids out there that are doctors and nurses and lawyers and professionals. And guess what? Don't go to church, don't love God, don't give a rip about anything that's holy. But they're high character. You better get your priority right. And your first priority ought to make sure that I'm in this home establishing in them a love for God, a walk. With God, because I want to put them on the right highway. That's the path, the highway of the upright. Guess what? You can get your kids in a car out here and you just let them loose. You're going to find out some of them are going to be on Mopac, some are going to be on 71, some are going to be in 35, and they're going to be going to a whole lot of different destinations. You, what you do has got to be done on purpose. You say, okay. I want them to wake up on their own. I want them to keep the room clean. I want them to know how to make a bed. I want them to know how to iron their clothes and be respectful. I'm for all of that. But priority, you've got to establish priorities. And number one is a walk with God that will help establish after that. Right relationship, a good marriage, purity. Right? Everything's got to be on that highway. And here's what happens. Okay. In the home, if you have a mom that says, I want this child to have a relationship with God. And you have a dad that says, I want this child to know how to make money. How many believe that your child ought to know how to make money at some point? Yeah, sure. But what happens if that becomes the number one priority? That child will not stay on that highway of the upright. It doesn't matter that you, you got the car there and you got the kid there. He is going as soon as he can. That car is coming off the highway of the upright. So priority got to say, okay, where is this on the list of priorities? It costs money to live. Is this number one? Absolutely not. I think if it's number two, you're going to have problems. Think walk with God ought to be first, foremost priority. You're talking about high character and all, all those things that help build character. I'm all for musical instruments. I'm all for good education. Those have to be on the list of priorities. But if any one of those is out of order, your child is going to be out of order in adulthood. And you're going to see it. Long term, you're going to see it. Here's what I want to make sure of. We've established priorities. But it doesn't matter what the church priority is. It doesn't matter the pastor, his desire is to see each one of these kids walk with God. Because at the end of the day, whatever happens in the home is going to determine how they drive down that highway and how long they stay on that highway. And it doesn't matter what I preach in this pulpit or what we teach in the Christian school. The overriding factor is still the parental influence. And if you say growing tomatoes is the highest priority... So you raised a farmer. You developed a prepper. And when the world falls apart, you're going to have someone delivering you tomatoes. Thank God for that. She can do spaghetti during the tribulation. Because he'll probably go through the tribulation. Because it wasn't taught repentance, a walk with God. In church, here's what, here's what I'm asking. When we talk about the rearing of children, we, we truly have to look at Personalities in the home and say, okay, am I addressing these things? The uniqueness of Brittany's personality, Ashley's personality, Chris's personality, and making sure in our marriage, we've got the right personality doing the right duties in the home. And when I know I have a weakness, I want to make sure there's not a revelation of my weakness on a continual basis that will form in them a continuation of my weakness. That's why I thank God for our staff. Chris came out in his teenage years. And I knew there's simply a certain things in my life I could not teach him. I said, okay, Pastor Robert, say down Pastor Robert, Pastor Ben, Pastor Mark, and these guys said, listen, there are shortcomings in, in Christopher's father that I don't want to become a lifelong problem. You guys can help me in developing these things and making sure he didn't have to fight with the same things I fight with.